Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. This is Sean. This is Kevin. And we have the very first episode of the year featuring two guests that I have personally had the pleasure of working with, Mr. David Dasmalchian and Mr. Lucas Kettner. So if you're unfamiliar, both of them work on a book called Count Crowley for Dark Horse Comics. They've done two miniseries and one crossover with Criminal Macabre, and it is a wonderful mashup of TV horror Fright Night host with a lot of social biting commentary on what it means to be a monster with some good schlocky horror thrown in. It is uh, absolutely delightful, and in my daytime job, I had the pleasure of editing one of their stories that appears in Z2 Comics, last podcast on the Left Anthology. So uh, David is mostly known for being a actor, but he is a phenomenal nuanced comic writer. And Lucas brings a fuck ton, like so much heart and schlocky slash horror anthology charisma to his pencils. They're two people who work together very well in harmony. Count Crowley is such a fun series. You know, whatever you think it is, it's not that. Uh, I was really surprised when I, you know, when I sat down and read it. I'm like, okay, I had a lot of preconceived, you know, uh, thoughts about this thing. And but, uh, you know, not that I thought that it wasn't going to be entertaining, but I just wasn't expecting it to be what it was. And especially too, you know, like you're talking about an actor I mean, who who got his big break in, you know, The Dark Knight, and he was in uh, Ant Man, and like he's got real real teeth in comics. And of course. You had the breakout with the Suicide Squad, playing the Polka Dot Man, um, you know, Blade Runner, uh, just, I mean, on and on. It's just amazing. Dune. Dune. Yeah. And the directors that he works with, too. It's like, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But as far as the comic book writing goes, he's got that down pretty good. Like, it's very impressive. And, you know, really excited that he joined us to come on and, and, and shoot the crap with us for a couple of hours or an hour or so uh, right before Christmas. So it's when we recorded this. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was a lot of a lot of fun. I will need to mention, too, that, you know, Brian was caught in some of that uh, pre-holiday traffic in Atlanta. So he was running a little bit late getting back to uh, to his place to uh, to join us. So he's going to come in a little late. But that's good because it, it gave gave you a, a, a good bit of talking time here for, in this one. Brian is a uh, fantastic moderator, and, and I was able to definitely slip in and provide some conjecture as well. But I will also say, as, as, as someone who used to live in Atlanta, I think all Atlanta traffic is holiday traffic. There, there's no such thing as, as a light day of traffic in Atlanta. So I, I, I salute Brian on being punctual for anything. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the way he's punctual is usually stays home. If you ever go to a convention, David is there dressed as a horror host with like a Dracula cape and fangs and, and face paint, and he will talk to you for hours. He is so committed to this comic in a way that most comic book writers are not. And just going through horror comics and uh, independent horror movies that I used to work for, a film company called Magnolia, he's familiar with all of it. We had so much, we had so much banter just going down the wormhole of horror before we even started recording. He's a delightful contributor and analyzer of the culture. It was fantastic. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that we didn't uh, record all that early stuff we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> I think some of it was uh, was was maybe NDA material. Well, I think we've uh, we've teed it up quite well. So let's go ahead and jump <laughs> yeah, we've rambled enough. All right, Happy New Year, everybody! Please enjoy Mr. David Dasmalchian and Mr. Lucas Kettner. David, how's it going, man? Good evening, <laughs> Lucas. How are you? Hello. Lucas, somebody who I see every Wednesday, and, and I've also had the pleasure of editing the work of you two maestros. You operate in such delicious harmony. But how is your December? How's life? Let's just start very simply. How is your December been? It's December. The second holiday. Oh my not, God. Not the big Swift. one of Halloween, but you know. Um, speaking of the holidays, I keep this. I, I get an annual Christmas card from Sven Gulli, which I keep on my. Um, <laughs> I, I frame all of them because I'm so honored that I'm on. There's a couple of Christmas lists that I'm on that I just go, wow, I never imagined I'd get to be on like Sven Gulli's Christmas list. Like Weird Al, I get his Christmas card every year. They're all, and they're, of course, as, as amazing as you would expect them to be. But for me, 
I am. We made a Christmas card that we've been working on. Uh, my wife and I always do a DIY build, a set and costume kind of theme that has something holiday connected to it. I've been writing like crazy. I'm writing uh, scripts to that will be shared with Lucas shortly. Uh, working on some comic book scripts and working on a television script and a movie script and uh, taking a little break from acting for the rest of the winter um, to just focus on some writing and uh, and and dreaming and uh, spending time with my, my crazy kids, watching old movies. Well, well David, I think you're trajectory is so interesting because I feel like most people in comics they aspire to go into film you mastered film you got into all the comic book movies and then you're like let's make comics yes <laughs> yes I mean where the money I have, that's where the money is at as you know um, this is a nothing a smattering a fraction of um, but I've been collecting um, since I was a wee lad in Kansas City and I've been um, so lucky that you know my my journey as an actor is in, has been from its beginning part of bringing comic book stories to to cinematic retellings or reimaginings or what have you and um so it's funny, man, you know, when you come in with an idea to a comic book publisher and you're an established or whatever I am in the world of entertainment as far as film and television goes, you kind of, you'd think like, oh, it must be, you, you, you've, you've worked on a lot of movie, like uh, the comic book movies, you must be easier for you to like pitch ideas to be honest there's always been this wall up which is like oh is this just some actor vanity project doesn't know much about comics just like oh they just want to throw they just want to put a, their name on a comic book and i'm like you guys <laughs> i've been thinking about this for four decades i have been dreaming of these characters for longer than most of you have been alive and uh i and, and then once I can get in there and actually like start to talk about what it is that I'm trying to do, thank God. Um, and Dark Horse took the chance on me with my first title. And now hopefully um, there are more to come. It's uh, it's something I would love to spend all my time doing if I could. So, so the hilarious thing is uh, when I worked with you guys on the last comic book on the left project, just like, oh, I know Lucas very well. And I was familiar with his work on Witch Doctor. His very uh, Bernie Wrightson it's so good. love letter from back in the day. I was oh, like, thank you guys. <laughs> how could I not ask these two to come onto this project? I'm like, give them a small one. But I was like, David's enmeshed in Hollywood. It'll probably be a long tail. He probably won't get a script in until like six months later. Lucas <laughs> will have to do a bunch of late nights. But it's like, no. It was like, hell yes, let's do it. I think the script came in more quickly than any comic book writer we had assigned to that anthology like you were just i could i could feel the adrenaline coursing through your soul working on that project dude it was like when when because lucas said hey uh this thing right was that how it started was it was it was it, i think so i think i i think yeah, I, yeah. I think i texted or emailed yeah, or you something were like, like hey, just are, like, you, hey are, you, are you familiar with the last podcast on the left and yeah, then you're and just like, like I, I love it it's one of my favorite <laughs> things i was like good okay well then let's uh <laughs> It's really wild too. Obviously, Marcus is in New York, but I just saw the guys the other day. Like they yeah. came to my uh, Halloween party, cool. which was super rad. So when when Lucas said that, I freaked out. And then my wife is who got me into last podcast. She's a muralist and a painter, and she's always designing and working on her her art and and blasts last podcast in the house and she knows it's my jam so when it was like i think you asked me like hey was there a story that you would want from maybe one of the cryptoids or something sean i was like oh god if we could do Sandown clown and then it all just started rolling man i mean what a creepy terrifying beautiful story that is so well suited for like a short i mean it's it's right out of yeah house house of mystery it's like absolutely it's like one of those it would fit perfectly in there you I know mean, it's real but it's not violent but it's still so startlingly bizarre like this character made of steel who's hollowed out and you look into his eyes and you see eternity any of that 
It's fucked up. And like holding up a board, like a sandwich board with or a message board with like words on it and pointing to the different, like you're following. Yeah. Like what, what, like what kid came up with this <laughs> if it was invented? It's like, it, and of course, Lucas, you just destroyed it, man. I mean, that, the look of it is so perfect. The, the tone of Thanks. it is just I- perfect as you always do. You just nailed it so hard. I had, like, just watched uh, Fire in the Sky, and, like, that was kind of, like, where I was just, you know, alien brain-like textures somewhere and just uh, try to make, just suggest, you know, it could be, it could go either way. It could be, like, some kind of weird supernatural, like, thing from the fairy realm, or it could be, a you know, like, the best thing that this, like, alien culture could put together to try to talk to kids or something, and it's just, it could be either way. That's the way I wanted to draw it. This is so awesome. I love yeah. it. And so let's talk about Count Crowley for a second. David, you, you have this idea, and it seems like it has some autobiographical elements as well. So were you familiar with Lucas's work? Did you approach him? How did this entire thing ignite? Great. So I um, had been dreaming up the idea for Count Crowley for a very long time. Since I was a kid, I'd always imagined telling a story about a horror host who's also a monster hunter. It was always a guy. And I eventually landed on the name Jerry for a man. And um, and that was kind of it. I just liked, I love monster hunters and I love classic horror. And, you know, the, over the years, that just like wasn't enough of a story to really light the, to, to start the engine to like get it going and and my career evolved as a storyteller and I started dreaming of a television show like a live action television show which in my dreams that I used to sit around daydreaming about like open as if you were watching the late night Friday night creature feature and then we'd start with that and then we'd follow the horror host and cut into the rest of their night what happens after they're done broadcasting that night's plan nine or or the tingler or whatever and then you realize that 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 being a horror is just like this cover for actually hunting and protecting humanity from monsters well then all the issues that i've wrestled with as far as my addiction and 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 recovery and mental illness and 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 just just all this stuff started finding its way into like what i was dreaming about when i would think about the story and i i came up with a pitch for how to i was trying to come up with a pitch for how to talk about it and 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 try and and possibly get it going as a tv series i there was an a, the the guy who was running a tv show that i was working on peter lankoff he he said he would help me give me some advice so i told him my idea and he turned out was a big kolchak fan as well and he was like this is amazing i love this idea I've been developing projects with Mike Richardson at Dark Horse. Have you ever considered, you know, writing this as a comic book? And and I was like, what? Like, uh, are you shit? Are you kidding me? And I and I and and then the next thing I knew, I had a pitch meeting with uh, the folks at Dark Horse. We were at San Diego Comic Con, and they loved the idea, and they paired me up with Megan Walker, and Megan got the idea out the gate and she totally knew what I was trying to do. And I had sent her just page after page of like you said, mentioned before, Bernie writes and of course, and, and, and then tons of other cobbled together kind of mood boards and ideas. And, um, I was familiar with and a fan of witch doctor and Megan said, what do you think of Lucas Kettner? And I was like, uh, he's <laughs> perfect. Um, do you think he'd be interested? So Megan, either I forget, had a pre-existing relationship with or at least had access to get in touch with Lucas. And she sent him, I think, my kind of pitch deck and maybe my whatever documents I had at that point. And I believe I had script one. Uh, if I didn't have script one, I had outline one. But I think I had script one. And and Lucas, I'd love to hear this story from your POV, but I will say, guys, like it was not long, like not long at all. I want to say days later that I get this email, I'll never forget from Megan, that was like this just in from Lucas Kettner. And his response was so positive. And then there he had put together some initial knee-jerk sketches, which are Really, you if you buy the trade paperback uh, volume one of Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter, they're included in there, and um, they're uh, he. I mean, it was amazing. He got her 
instantly. Lucas, do you take it from here? I want to hear your point of view on this story. That's, I mean, that that's that's mostly what you know lines up with what with what happened with me. It was just I, you know, I just so happened like I was actively looking for something at the time, and I didn't I didn't know what kind of book I wanted to do. I mean, I'd done horror in the past, but you know, I I was open to anything. Uh, there was there was one I was considering that was like, you know, almost like you know My Little Pony cartoony it wasn't my little pony but it was like something like that from another writer uh, I want very that like uh, adventure timey kind of yeah and uh and that came through it and and i did not know megan beforehand but it, uh th- that first email was just you know very just short and to the point it was just like hey this is this is the thing that's happening do you want to do this and i i think i wrote back First, I, I think before she shared anything with you, I just I just wrote back, yeah, I absolutely want to do this. If you know, let's work out the details, of course. But like, you know, I, if at all possible, I want to do this. This sounds great. Like 1980s, uh, you know, horror host stuff. It just sounded like all the my, you know my favorite stuff that like kind of was around me when I got into comics. Like you say, Bernie Wrightson and Jack Davis, and and you know all of these. Uh, uh, yeah, like the row of like House of Mysteries and they're back there. It, that, like that kind of stuff is where my head was at when I got into comics. And then I'd slowly kind of drifted into other projects and like did a little bit of, uh, you know, Skybound stuff, like did the Kill the Minotaur thing. And then right at that point where I was looking for something, that's when that that's when those emails started coming through. And then uh, I got so excited about it that, yeah, I was I was just like, I've got I got an hour. Like I got an hour tonight. Let's just let's just so I did a few sketches of Jerry and uh included those along and then and then it was it was really fast. Like I agree, it was like a few days and then we were just that was our first phone call together with with some of the other editors and just kinda chatted for a good half hour about, you know, what you wanted to do with the book, what your background was and like I mean I was I of course already familiar with with uh with your acting and movies and stuff. Um it was the thing. It was like uh, she sent me the email, and then I was just like, "Just Google." Oh, that okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Joker's guy. Okay, and um, and from there, it, Joker's, it, it's guy. Just, uh, it's Joker's guy. Yeah, Joker's guy. Yeah, it's his, his guy from the, from the thing. And and I, you know, I, of course, seen a ton of other stuff uh, at that point too. But uh, that's I am, that's how I am the it, Bob of the Dark Knight. Let's be honest. The Bob, there you go, the Bob. Yeah, and the Bob? you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I stopped looking at your IMDb page because I like the surprise. Like I was just watching Weird Al the other night, and like it was just like, oh, oh. David Bingo. There we go. There he is, David <laughs> <Yeah>. Bingo. <laughs> You're um, awesome in that, by the way. Um, thanks, man. Thanks. It's a it's a great movie. I'm so happy. Um, it turned out yeah. great. But did you go like, oh, I wonder if this is just some actor that that thinks comics are cool because he's been in some comic book movies, or did you like when you got? I guess we met and you could tell I was very serious about this idea. But I'm I'm so curious because it was. Cal Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter, uh, Volume 1, Issue 1, was the first comic book script I had ever written in my life. Here's the thing. I've been, I been—I say this a lot. It's a, it's a phrase that I use, but it makes sense to me. I feel like I was a donut connoisseur. Like, I've been eating the donuts my whole life. Every Wednesday, I was stuffing my little bag with my I had a pull list of donuts for years, but I never really peeked behind the curtain. I never was like... The way I am with like cinema, where maybe I, I read a lot more books on like cinema history and the writing of cinema, I didn't do that with comics. I knew you know artists and writers who I adored, but I was I never really looked at like how you make the donuts. And so when the opportunity presented itself, and I was like, I've written screenplays, I've 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 made a couple of movies, and I've sold some TV stuff and written TV scripts. It was it was scary for me to first hand that script over to Megan and then ultimately to Lucas because I was like, oh my God, does this? How does this work? Did it? Did it? You you can be brutal now that we've got. No, I was I was gonna say the script is what finally sealed it for me because like when I read the script, I was like, oh. It- he knows what he's doing. Like this is one of the things that I really look for is like, are you making use of if you're gonna have single issues and not just a graphic novel, are you gonna play to the format? Like, are you gonna have a satisfying chapter every 22 pages or 20 pages or whatever your thing is? And like, you know, what you know, is there a hook in your first issue? Is is it just like 
something that stops at 22 pages and then you have to buy the next thing because that's no fun you know just wait for the trade so no the, the script was, was finally just like oh no really great he knows what he's doing like this is fun this is like like i'm excited to draw this and then the script the scripts just kept getting even better from there but it was and back to the other thing is like yeah there is like kind of a general sort of you know just among comic book artists and people and stuff there's always just this like oh this 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 person who is famous for something else wants to come into comics and 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 make a comic and like because they like comics and stuff and so there is always that general when someone you know when i've been working on it for a few months and like you know friends in comics would come up and be like oh yeah how's that going but it was like the teeth emoji face like <laughs> how is that and, and uh a writer a writer friend of mine i won't, I won't say his name but he like uh you met him at that first rose city that we did where i had he said you know i walked up to your crappy four foot table and there was david for hours signing posters with you in a fucking dracula cape and I, and my first thought was this guy means it <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you put in your time just, like, that, that little that little bit like always sticks with me. yeah so and, and that's what sums up this whole thing it's like of course there's always that thing because there, there are horror stories of just like uh people from other mediums coming in and, and just wanting wanting to have a com wanting that notch on their belt of just like now i have a comic too right um but but you didn't do that you you were you were as far away from that as you possibly could be what was uh what was Dirk Diggler's um uh, pop rock band called when he when they started their own rock outlet oh, outfit? God. You know, it's like that. I feel like yeah. I should know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, yeah. Um, you got the touch, and yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I take a little blame for the celebrity uh, infusion there uh, in the mid two thousands because we did one of the the first gigantic book I did was with Rosario Dawson. And, oh, but she's um, legitimately like a comic well, book person. Yeah, her well, her yeah. uncle, who's a comic book artist, uh, Gus yeah. Vasquez. I knew him. I didn't know his. I didn't even know you know Rosario at the time. She was just sort of getting big anyway. But he was a comic book artist and would hang out with us at, at the conventions and stuff. And David Atchison, who's a, a was a friend, who's a writer, and a guy named Tony Chastine was an artist. And like we sort of we'd known each other for a few years. And they're like, hey, you know, we've got this idea, and they started showing me, and it's like it's got Rosario Dawson, and I'm like. This and it was she's like you know drawn just like her and all that kind of stuff and I was you know, really terrified about it because I mean it was a cool concept because the occult crimes task force it was like you know NYPD you know fighting the occult this underground task force thing and really great concept but I, I had no idea how, how it would be received but then when I met her and she was a complete and, and total geek and she did all the conventions with us for a couple of years like you know uh, the small conventions to San Diego Con and uh, you know she would put on her, her uh, you know put on a mask and and just go shopping and, and do all that stuff. It was, but yeah, but she loved it. I mean, she would sit there all weekend long books and, and take pictures with everybody. And she just loved it. You know, and that's, that makes a difference. And we had a lot of other people that tried to, to get in on that and would come to us like, Oh, so-and-so actor wants a comic book thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, man. No, she seems, I I've, I've met her briefly, but I I'm, pretty good friends with Kevin Smith, who again is legit. Like there's no questioning Kevin's love for the medium and, and his, oh, you know, course. whenever he throws his hat in that ring, it's always exciting. But um, yeah, I, I, she's like kindred nerd kid and she's just such a kick-ass actor too. I hope I get to work with her in a significant way at some point. I will say like words for pictures is many people read that book. I found that to be very helpful, obviously like that, just like that was something you know, that trying to connect the tissue between my understanding of like story, plot, structure, the way I see things in three acts. There's no there's no school you can go to that can compare with 40 years of just reading issue after issue of comics in series of mm -hmm. comics and collecting series for years on end because there's an inherent uh, little tingle you get as a, a reader which translates to hopefully the way you're writing when you're getting ready to turn a page and like there's a there's a methodology within that that just for me the way i do my outlines and break my stories down it's like i see that and i'm glad that 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 that's you know, I just I, I couldn't have gotten a better partner than than Lucas in that for it, it's interesting the way we, we we play tennis, if you will, 
virtually from California to Oregon with our ideas. But I think you can back me up on this, Lucas. Like, there will be a panel or two or three per issue that I will get into like hyper specific detail as if I'm like trying to to just because I can see. But a lot of them, what I'm seeing more of is emotion and like character change, discovery, or shifting in stakes. I see that. I don't visually always see it. And it's really great for me to work with someone like Lucas, who I can say things like, like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'll write that in the script. Like, I don't know how, but I see her like pulling off a really good dodge or like a really good uppercut. And I want her body to look like really badass, but there's got to be like abject terror in her eyes. Does that make sense? And then he'll write back and be like, yeah, I get it, I get it. And then I'll start seeing the way he's laying out, you know, and 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 if I do, I do give specific panel per page count, but that always is totally fluid because then he could be like, oh, I see why you wanted six panels here, but trust me, I think this is going to look so cool as three with one, one insert. And I go, oh, dude, yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah, yeah, man. That <laughs> la- What you did in 2.4, Lucas, it's, ugh. I love doing that issue. That was that and the that and the war issue, the 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 World War One issue was. It's, it's always like a, a, I mean, it's a common thing. You ask an artist like, "Oh, what's your, you know, what, what's your favorite issue?" And it's always just like, "Oh, the one I just did," you know, because like you you know you're you're a few months away, a few issues back, and you're just like, eh, I'm "Not sure." You haven't come full circle around to just liking everything again, which happens eventually. But yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, no. Yeah. I have a question for you guys, and that's that we're all kind of in the same age bracket. And that we're not teens anymore. When we were kids, you just remember watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre and your adrenaline's pumping, your fight and flight are just going nuts. But then we three, Kevin, I don't know about you, we became horror fans. Like I used to work for Magnolia Pictures. And I've seen so many fucked up horror movies. And so we go through this process and we get desensitized. And then recently, like, I saw this movie called Speak No Evil on Shutter. Speak No Evil. No. Why do you got to say that? Why? Why? Right? I hate you. Well, wait, well, wait. Let, me, let me punctuate this with a question. At this point in our lives, what do we find terrifying? I what can't think about that movie. Heads? You messed I cleansed my brain of that movie, Sean. You just brought it back into my head. I what, hate you. Wasn't that rough? I couldn't. I can't. No one should watch that movie, but yet me saying that means a thousand more people are going to watch it. It's one of those things where my friend called me. He was like, Dave, I don't think you should watch Speak No Evil. I made it about four hours before I was sitting up in my room way past bedtime watching that movie. And it rocked me so hard to the core. I still get like a stomachache thinking about it. It like gives me a stomachache. Well, you think about... I was not watch spoilers, this? but like Phil Sevy was the one who turned me on to it. Lucas... Phil, like someone in our DD. No group. way. I know Phil. He's such a sweet, kind, loving human being. Tell Phil I'm ashamed of him for spreading that movie out <laughs> into the, the, the collective the consciousness. I your, love Phil so much. No. Your quote's going to be on the back of the DVD release or the, <laughs> the 4K version. <laughs> a movie he can't watch. <laughs> well, I mean, it was so funny. I saw that. I saw The Innocence. And then I saw one more movie. I was like, oh, Shudder has its shit together. It's interesting just how what scares you evolves. And like, David, you have a family. Like, and I'm guessing that plays into this media that can kind of peel back those layers and say, fuck you to your head. The suffering of the innocent is just, it's abominable. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's something similar between like Speak No Evil and a movie say like Audition. Cause I think of both of those films as those cautionary tales where we as humans should be punished when we ignore the red flags that the universe gives us. Cause yeah. I do think often on our journeys when it's maybe developing new relationships with people or embarking on new collaborative relationships or taking on new jobs that, that you get, we do get flashes. We get red flags. We get whatever you want to call them, things that tickle our, you know, instinct. And sadly, for myriad reasons, a lot of us will ignore those because either there's something we're drawn to in the toxicity of the relationship or the thing that it is that's kind of luring us seems like, oh, this 
element of this experience is going to feel good enough that I could tolerate or I can overlook some of these red flags. But a film like, say, Audition or a film like Speak No Evil is like, you will be punished and it's and and there will be no forgiveness there will be no looking back and you will suffer and the supernatural i love the supernatural but it doesn't scare me i i I love monsters but as we you know you can see in any of my writing i think that there are many good monsters as well as bad monsters i love emile ferris for that she really like plugged me into a whole way of looking at monsters um right now and I and I and I'm seeing how it's manifesting in storytelling. I'm really scared of like dangerous groupthink. Maybe it's kind of zombie horror. Even though zombie pictures I love, they don't tend to scare me, but I love them. I'm there's something about that, like like the mob mentality that you would see chasing Frankenstein's monster through the streets. What about a horror movie about that mob where we're gonna experience the film as Frankenstein's monster, maybe? I don't know. You what do you guys think? I don't know. Lucas, what burrows into your head at night? What what you came around to that dangerous group thing? There's a character in uh, oh god, what is the what is the the series? I'm not I'm gonna gap out on the name of it, but uh, just very uh, uh, dogmatic kind of like shifting logic, like you're saying, cult like like super like hyper hyper religious characters in uh, movies like that that. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the show. We're, anyway, you talk about Midsummer. You talk about folklore that has Midsummer, that. Midsummer, sure. That. Yeah, uh, but that's like that movie feels more of a comeuppance for like the main male character who is is not emotionally nurturing. Yeah, and I mean the visuals in that movie are just completely worth it. It's it's beautiful and horrible and you know horrific, but. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to I hate to steal the answer, but it's that social stuff that really like gets that, that really gets to me. Like uh, uh, things that things that feel like they actually could happen, like The Handmaid's Tale and things like that. Like, sure. the, like those kinds of things are are just incredibly. You know, you can't you, you just you can't really phase me with things like gore and monsters. And we'll have to wait and see. We speak no evil. I'm still not sure I'm going to watch this. I mean, I could I could make the rest of this podcast about speak no evil, Lucas. It would be bad. Like yeah. that's a movie. Made but do you remember girlfriend. that feeling in your stomach when you were a kid and you first got a glimpse of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That revulsion that I've been unable to stay away from. I mean, I rewatched TCM once a year. Probably it's a masterpiece. I love that movie so much. But like. Mm-hmm. That I'm not saying that Speak No Evil is is as good of a film as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not. It's a very good film. It's not. It's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but I will say, like that feeling that you got, definitely, like oh, like I felt sick to my stomach. Hi, hey, hey Brian. I will end this real quick on this. David, when they pulled out the scissors, like nah, I don't, nah, 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 nah. I'll nah. leave it at that. But I will say this: I do not have like visceral responses. Like I'm very like Italian Catholic and Midwestern. Like I do not respond to books or movies. I'm very constrained and calm and complacent. I got up off my couch and shouted at the television. As well you should have. No one should have made that film. By the way, hi, welcome. Glad to have you here. It's good to see you. Hey, Brian Selfridge joining us from Atlanta Traffic. Nice to meet you. I'm Lucas. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey. It goes. How are you, man? Oh, man. Well, it seems like I, I, I stepped in into the middle of an awesome conversation. <laughs> so, 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 Brian, we are discussing horror. the horror that disgusts you in your 40s and beyond. Like... When you're young, you're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then, and then David and Lucas are very well versed in horror cinema and horror comics. We talk about what today, as grown adults, drills into our head and presses all the right buttons. So we're talking about a few of those movies. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it, it's weird because I, I think as you get older, horror gets more difficult. I was easy prey as a kid. You could scare me with anything, you know, just bounce a cat off a trash can and I'm good to go. Um, but, uh, but like, I, I find that I'm more susceptible to psychological horror, yep. you know, now that I'm uh, a, a little bit, uh, a little bit older, I think, uh, 
I think zombies and spooky stuff like that doesn't do it for me. But uh, but like like and 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 I actually remember the switchover was when I watched John Carter's The Thing, mm. and and that that ruined me for years. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like we were talking about know. how groupthink is such a disgusting and and terrifying entity right now, and that's one of the first primary examples of that being a concept in a horror movie. Who can you trust? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That the Romero stuff did that really well. I think that um there's a horrifying as we all know uh finale that is so ripped my guts out as a kid to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the uh 1970 whatever it is 77 version or whatever mm-hmm. the Donald Yeah. The Donald oh yeah. Other one, um, yeah. That and we've we've just been watching, you know, over the last number of years how quickly you go well that that's not going to happen in our society at least not in a not in a dangerous or like a frightening way and then we're like whoops we were wrong um yeah it's crazy yeah i don't think there's to me like there's nothing scarier than cable news and, uh, <laughs> I mean, that was the you subtext, gotta, you, Kevin. That you got to get into uh, Count Crowley, man. This whole book is about the dawn of cable news and uh, a very Murdochian type of yes, individual yeah. who wants to sell his soul so he can, you know, I mean, he wants to be a vampire, you know? Oh, right. yeah. 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 It, and, so, and, and David, I, I got to say to you, with uh, with Count Crowley, one of, the, one of the things that blows me away about the, the whole book and everything about the book is I, I'm pissed off that you were the first to publish because that is such an awesome idea, <laughs> such an awesome concept. But, that but it, is... seemed, it seemed like it was just hanging on the tree. <laughs> and it, was just, it was just the first person that gets there and just brings this idea to publish hey, man. the person that wins. Well, that's a that's that's thank you that's a very great compliment and and coming from you it's uh, triply so thank you that that means a lot to me um i uh you are brilliant and i uh i I, as we all know here i think we all can agree in some degree or another however you look at it philosophically you know i think what david lynch talks about like there's the the big fish like there's the this kind of just this 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 place that we all share if we go deep enough in in our subconscious and in our in our still places that uh that their ideas are just kind of floating there and uh it's it happens to all of us doesn't it where you're like you know like i was sure that i was the guy that was going to crack the code and write the script that was going to be the equivalent of alien but on a boat in the 1890s because that <laughs> that that chapter in dracula bram stoker's dracula when the 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 good ship demeter sails to London carrying Dracula and all of his stuff and the entire crew is basically devoured during that journey. I was like, that's the movie. I will write it. And then, <laughs> and, then and then, two years ago, you know, I get a call, oh, Universal's making a movie about the, the ship, the Demeter and, uh, oh, and I was like, and then luckily though, I did get myself on the ship, the Demeter. I was just going to uh, say, good news. Like, <laughs> good news, yeah. There's a, there's a twist. I did oh, call man. and I was what like, if I don't get to write this, I, I need to be a part of it. Um, and anyway, uh, yeah. And, and, and I think with cable news, the horror, and I don't want to get too political, but F it, I don't care, is in <laughs> we live in a capitalist society where mass media, anything that's going to be shared with the public to share it on a large scale needs revenue. It needs to satisfy uh, an investment base. It needs to satisfy enough shareholders to support the entity. That's the that's the choice we've all made. We live in a system that that is how things work. So there, there, aside from public broadcasting, which is basically mostly maligned now, and it's it's been div- divided. Um, I think that. Anybody who's trying to share news and information to the public, if they want to, if they want to succeed at it, if they want to have you know the the right platform to do so, they just they have to sell. They have to they have to sell uh, yeah. sh- ad time, and to do that, the most audacious, ridiculous, you know, attention grabbing people they can put on 
are the ones that are going to do that. So if you read Count Crowley, you know that like monsters have have given up on trying to face mankind head on. So it's much more effective to turn us against one another by just sprinkling all that they need to into our media news and information. Um, oh yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's fantastic because uh, I think what they're doing is they're, they're stepping into our lane. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like our, our place as, as, uh, as storytellers is, is to make those fantasies feel real, but there's a certain safety in that because it's, it's actually not. And, uh, and they're really kind of stepping into our, our, our lane and using some of our techniques to spin these stories and people, you know, when, when you read Dracula, when you, when you read a comic book, you ultimately know it's not real Mm -hmm. and there's something safe there, Mm -hmm. but what they're doing is, is playing with fire Mm -hmm. because they're saying this, this comic book story that I'm coming up with Mm -hmm. (laughs) this, this weird tale that I'm coming up with, it's real. Sadly, I think a lot of people aren't sharp enough to understand that it's really not. Well, mm-hmm. th- what scares me the most is, and I do, I'm someone who, you know, straddles the the, the middle row. I, I kind of see, you know, I, I'm not far left, far right. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that everybody hates. And, uh, <laughs> It's on. It's everywhere. It's not just Fox News. Like if no, you no, think no. Fox News is the only problem, well, it's because you, all you watch is MSNBC. You know, and and CNN. Like I, I mean, anybody who puts big, brash, loud people to share news, it's not news, and not it's news. That, that's what's going to get the most attention. You know, yeah. it's just commentators. It's not actual just. <laughs> just dry, yeah. straightforward news like we and used it's, to have. It's 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 also a bit of. Um, things coming home to roost if we will it's not like it's new in our shared collective history here with people uh going ahead and putting their own spin on truth fact data to kind of fit their narratives we uh we see this ridiculous rallying cry against uh (laughs) critical race theory and then you ask these angry people who are up in arms who hate critical race theory and you go well tell me what it is you hate about it I don't know what it is, but I know that it's critical of me. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, and I think we're paying a piper right now. We are yep. paying a piper. We've been paying the piper in a major way, and it's going to get worse. It's why we need superheroes, and there are superheroes that walk amongst us. And I love, I love telling stories through the medium of comic books because you never have to hit people over the head with a mallet uh, about the importance of humanity, the importance of, you know, uh, 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 of compassion, the importance of education, the importance of putting other people ahead of yourself for one damn minute. You know, it's hard in the society. We again, we chose this. We're all signed up. I'm, I'm an avid capitalist. I live the the life every day, but and sadly, I live in a system that just tells me I am the most important part of my experience and everybody else that's that's the end all be all of this system that's why i'm so grateful that we get to play around in this medium because you go back to you know clark kent all the way up to the heroes that we're most excited about today and many of us still love clark kent um it's it's important you know and 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 i hope with jerry i can offer one more hero in the ring who is up against it and is trying to do her best and make make choices to to protect others while being her own worst enemy because that's been my my jam my whole life man i'm i've no one's been my enemy more than myself there's no one that's you know messed me up more than me well I, i think i think another thing that that you're doing which is really awesome i was that kid you know when when the rest of my family was was asleep uh, I would stay up late at night and watch The Outer Limits, and I'd watch Elvira, and I'd, I'd watch all those stories in the dark, alone, with the volume turned way down so it doesn't wake up my family. You know, I, I, I was that kid, and it's it's inclusive to see some of those tropes make it into your book. You know, it's 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 inclusive. I mean, we we couldn't be more different than each other. <laughs> you know, um, but but it's 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 really kind of cool that um, that we we touch on that Venn diagram. 
What's the commonality? But yes, and I love that. That's something I love about what we do too is there's like, when I'm thinking about like the audience, the people I would love to tell stories to in my whole journey, and that's everything that I'm trying to write. I, I think about, I want my stories to reach as many people as possible. Of course I do. I absolutely would love the idea of, you know, my aunt Joanne picking up something I've read or going to see something I've written and, and going, oh, I, I get something out of this. But it's for us like that when you're like that, that little detail. And that's why I'm so lucky to have Lucas as my partner because yeah. he understands God doesn't just live in the details. He lives in between or they live in between the lines. Like writing in between the lines is one of the most beautiful places to like touch readers and hearts, I think. And Lucas understands the power of the medium so well. Like he's just, he he gives me, I I ask for it. And then Lucas, you give it to me 10 times over every time. Like in those comic book ads, to me, comic book ads in my childhood memories are almost sometimes as powerful as the comics themselves were, depending on which comic I was reading. Absolutely. And when I just started talking to him loosely about like, I'd like this to be a recurring motif. I'd like to play around with ideas. He just showed up and delivered, man. Yeah. Well, and and one of the things that I think is is really cool, like I I think the toughest sides of, of the storytelling spectrum is horror and comedy. You know, and and they just happen to be to a certain extent the opposite of, of each other, uh, and and I think the thing that I love about what uh, Lucas brings to the table is you do horror in a way that gives you such a big voice, such a such a huge dynamic range because your stuff has got a cartoony quality to it and a lightness to it almost a funny quality to it when jerry goes through like just the scenes where she's just kind of researching and trying to figure things out but when the shit goes down <laughs> you know, when when there are werewolves when there are monsters then your style is able to bend into this really um you know sort of uh almost precious yeah, uh, approach, which, yeah, makes sure. more, which makes it more terrifying than realism, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and 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 I love when well, thank you. Yeah. There's too many times where you'll have an artist on a project where it, it, there's just not a, a a fit. But I think with uh, with what you guys are doing, there's just like that place where the writing stops and the art starts doesn't exist. It's it's just a really sweet blend. Lucas, it's like Jaffe, <laughs> Jaffe, then Wrightson were cooked up in this in this student Stuart Gordon kind of like lab, <laughs> then brought to life by you know lensed by Cronenberg. It's like you gets it. He gets it all, man. Now uh, who's in Atlanta? Uh, I am. Just okay. And where where's everybody else? Sean, you're in Portland. I'm in Portland, about yep. a mile away from Lucas. Okay. Yep. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, so I'm I'm a couple. You're in Alabama, okay, okay. I know Oxford Comics is a good shop in Atlanta. Do you ever go there? Hmm? Yes, yes. Uh, Oxford is a really sweet shop. Um, I haven't been there in a while, but uh, but yeah, yeah. That 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 used to be the entire studio's go-to shop. Did it? Oh man, that place is so old school. Um, I can't wait to come find shops in uh in Alabama. There's got to be. There's some because I cold called them. I cold called every comic shop in the United States almost before Count yeah. Crowley Volume One. I just got. Nuts. I got a. I got a spreadsheet of comic book shops, brick and mortar shops. This is back in 2000. What 17, Lucas? And yeah, I just yeah. started calling people. I go, hi, I'm sorry to bother you. My name is David and I'm writing this comic book and I wanted you to know that you can um, return any unsold items to Dark Horse if you uh, if you order at least, you know, five of issue one. And they go, oh, what is it? Or they'd hang up or once in a while, <laughs> get somebody who'd be like, what is this again? And uh, it worked. We got a couple of loyal uh, shops out there out of those calls. I mean, I don't know if it was worth the t- <laughs> the days that I spent on phones getting yelled at, but it was. Uh, I, I know I called a number of them in Alabama. 
Yeah, well, there's a sanctum uh, tattoos and comics. Uh, that's that's my go to place. So uh, tattoos but, and comics. That's it's, it's a perfect combination, right? I love it. Yeah, and I actually, uh, the first book I, uh, I published through Dark Horse came out the same time as as your first comic. It was called uh, Kill Whitey Donovan that uh, we shared an editor on that and it was a historical um civil war you know fiction but they were they were a huge supporter because the, the the author here is local so um they uh they hooked us up really good did great signings and everything can i stop yeah. and just say david that's impressive as hell like yeah i would not want to do any of that we have full-time employees in sales who would not have that initiative let alone someone who has a lot going on in their life and a family that is it huge. was, it was, I, I was, and I was, I didn't want to call from my cell because I also just don't want my cell number to be ever. So I was, I was sure. at first calling from a block number, which I think looks suspicious. So I wasn't getting a lot of pickups. Then I realized you could use Google phone to make phone calls and it just picks a random number for you. But the problem oh. with that is that it would pick a random area code. So someone would answer and be like, you know, Oh, well, why do you live? What, how are things in Honolulu? I'm like, Oh, actually I'm not in Honolulu. I'm using oh, this. Man. I'm wow. using this call. I know. I, I learned, I had so many learning, uh, curves along that journey, but when we get ready for, hi, do you want to come say hi? Nope. I, I want to see an elf costume. Oh, <laughs> hello. There it is. How's it going? Penny, can you say hi? Hi. Hey, Penny. Nice to meet you. I'm Lucas. This is my daughter, Penny, and here's my son, Arlo. Arlo, would you mind showing everybody your comic? My son's a published comic oh, book wait, author. Still keep oh, no kidding. Wow. Versus Gax. This is another <laughs> That's one awesome, his, dude. It's very good. King Kong versus Godzilla. Nice. Um, this is his book called Vampire Hunter. Oh, and finally, um, Arcado figures yes oh my gosh arlo there's a, yeah, You're one, one of us arlo yeah he is he is one of us plant man yeah. versus dracula <laughs> he's oh he can't suck his blood yeah, way out ahead of the way out ahead like, of the curve man i made yeah. so money yeah big big seller at earth two comics in sherman oaks actually we were in there um not too long ago and they i can make the rest of these daddy all right well guys go go down to bed i'll come and tuck you in in a minute I gotta this, wrap this, this things up. This is the up original here. one, right? That is the original. I'll take the. Uh... Okay. Ah. Bye. Say bye, Penny. Bye. Bye, Penny. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Nice to meet you both. And uh, David, one one of the things that I wanted to to ask you about, which yes. um, it's kind of funny because you know, and this is like probably about twenty years ago now. You know, I bought a uh, a black Volkswagen Jetta. Yes. You know, and and I thought, man, this is really cool. You know really stylish you know sort of car i'm gonna get this one and literally the moment i bought it every other car on the road was a black volkswagen jetta (laughs) and i I honestly feel the same way about you because like i really took a note you know like oh okay that guy when i saw suicide squad but then i realized you're in Every movie. (laughs) (laughs) I am the black Volkswagen Jetta of uh, character actors from 20 years ago. Yes. Yes. Um, I have been so lucky. I was telling the guys this early. You know, I I was I started in Kansas City and then I moved to Chicago where I studied theater and um, sadly developed a pretty debilitating addiction that compounded struggles that I was facing with mental illness, which as we know, a lot of people who struggle with addiction are also struggling with mental illness, which is another one of the fallacies of our, you know, capitalist society that, you know, people who struggle with either of those issues are either lazy or they're somehow leeches upon us when the opposite is true. These are people with debilitating diseases who we should have care and compassion for. But we're the most religious country in the world, aren't we? Um, so anyway, <laughs> I I lost everything in Chicago. I lost my life in Chicago. The only thing I didn't lose was my love for comics and watching mm. movies and my family. And my family stood by me uh, through oh, thick and thin and I... I got back. 
I, I worked in telemarketing for a number of years and I was a uh, worked in a movie theater as a uh, usher and popcorn shiller. Never Same thought here. I'd get back to acting again. I never imagined I'd get back to acting. And I I went to, you know, my Graham Crackers comics every every week after working in my telemarketing office. And by a miracle of God, truly, I was able to get back on stage, which led to an audition, which led to me all of a sudden walking down LaSalle Avenue with a, a regiment of police people dressed like police officers in a parade sequence for wow. a funeral sequence in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. And my life changed and from that moment forward i have gotten to be a part of so many of the superhero adjacent or directly related to stories genre things science fiction things connected to everything from blade runner to dune everything that i ever loved as a kid and i'm telling you like anybody who's listening to this who just doesn't feel like there's any hope that you got to give up that there's just no chance or if you love somebody who's out there struggling i swear to you it's totally possible. I'm, I'm now writing my dream comic book, working with some of the greatest artists. I'm just such a blessed, blessed person. And it is it is absolutely possible. But yes, I have been in so many of the, the crazy things and I'm so lucky. And I don't for well, so a day, I don't take it, grant, take it for granted for a second because it's, uh, it's insane. It's insane that this is my life. Something else that I think um, is is really interesting is that um, that you're so in, in your acting, and I and I find this is this is a truth that moves through your writing as well, is that you're really understated until you need to be overstated. You know, it's like just really you know it, it, it's almost like that that guy that steps on stage at a rock concert with a harmonica you know and, and you're like well surely this guy isn't going to compete with the electric guitar and the drum set and all that but then he just slays the crowd i, I think i like that description so yeah. subtle Thanks, so man. subtle most of the times and when when you raise an eyebrow or or just move slightly out of a deadpan expression it's like a bomb going off you know and uh and and i i really see the same thing you know sort of in uh in in, in crowley thank uh, you all all the all the setup scenes are incredibly truthful you know they don't really even feel like they've been written <laughs> that's that's i'm thank you i'm i'm blushing i'm i'm absorbing it and i'm hearing it and it means a lot to me uh again that coming from you it's high 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 praise it means very much to me we will care the most about characters when we believe their truth right so like with jerry yeah there's big crazy brash moments where she's gonna have to try and fire off against a werewolf but it's that it's that shoe leather it's the stuff in between it's yeah. the stuff that like gets us there as storytellers and i'm grateful man i've as an actor i just have a lot of really gifted directors who say to me like i'm and this and and i have gifted editors like megan who say to me like trust yourself you don't mm. have to you don't have to put on a bunch of errors you don't have to do a bunch of crap the my audition for the dark knight i auditioned for a very famous casting director named john papsidera he was in chicago looking for the small roles in the film at local actors like myself and um i auditioned for him one day and i was auditioning for one of the bank robbers at the beginning of the film in the in the bank heist sequence and i had prepared a whole scene and i was a theater actor you know so theater acting is bigger than film acting but i was did a whole character oh there's my cat and um <laughs> And he said, all that that you're doing, he goes, listen, here's what I want. I want you to come back tomorrow. All this that you're doing, it is great. You're, you're on to something here. He goes, but I need you to go home and figure out how to take all that you're doing and put it here. Oh, wow. Do that for me. And that made sense. I went home and I figured out how to do all that kooky fun stuff I was doing with my hands and my my head jerks and my knees and my chest uh, I tried to put it here and then I came in the next day and I got to meet Christopher Nolan um, and I did the scene for him and 
the rest is history, you know? Um, it's yeah. crazy. And, uh, and, and Lucas, <laughs> how is it when it's on the page? You know, when it's on the page, when it's uh, when it's just just a script on the page, how's your approach? Because you you seem to really be able to pick up that uh, that that subtlety uh, to really be able to to carry that. And and I think you know my my attitude is always you know if I can believe your truth, then I'll believe your lies. You right, yeah, yeah. You really I, managed to 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 carry that over so well. I mean, part of it is just that there's, there's always like, David has this amazing talent to where it's like, there's always just enough in the script. There's always just mm. enough to where it's just like, you can always tell when something is like, it's one of two ways when there's only like one line about something. It's just like every once in a while, just be like, Hey, just do something really cool here, but make it really cool. Monster wise, host wise, whatever. And, but then there's other times where it's, you know, there'll be a description of like uh, what's going on, but it's more about like, a lot of times the writing gives more of a feel of just like, here's what needs to happen, but here's how the audience needs to feel, you know, mm, when this wow, is happening. Wow. And that's always really clear in the script. It's just the, the, the blocking is that, you know, Jerry leans in to do something, but, you know, and then they'll be like, but we can tell that, you know, da, da, da. and then that's all there is. There's no like, and she's got her arm up and, and maybe like one legs forward or like anything. There's none of that. It's just like, Here's what's going on, and here's here's what it needs to accomplish, and so oh, wow. yeah. Wow. So it, it, and from there, I mean, you know, it, sometimes giving someone if if you want something very specific, you know, just go nuts, give, give all the information, you know, just a, a paragraph, just to make sure that like it, it's exactly the way that you want it to be. But like, if you really want an artist to just like to have it click right away, then you know, you do it the way that David does it, which is the, the dialogue's all there, the blocking's all there, but then it's just like one more layer of just like, this is what it needs to do for the person reading it. Oh, and, man. And that's, man. Uh, well, it's not, it's not always labeled that way, but it's just, it's, it's always in there, yeah. you know, well, that's, and, that's, and that's, that just immediately be... just, as soon as you read a, a, a script page like that, it's so helpful because then you can just like, you know, your mind starts doing Tetris with just like, okay, we're going to do a tier panel and then we're going to do a splash panel and then we're going to have like two, to inside that'll be perfect and then you just like you know, go down and like block yeah. it out whereas like if there's if there's either too little or too much information then it'll it'll trip you up and, and you won't i won't know how to it'll take me a lot of tries to get get the page laid out or or get the get the characters doing what they're supposed to be doing to accomplish the, the feeling in the reader so well that's that's got that's got to be kind of kind of weird for you david um because i know you you've written scripts for actors so it's got to be kind of strange this you know kind of like little bit of alchemy where it's just like okay <laughs> i'm writing it for this one guy <laughs> no it, it's i have the perfect partner in lucas and we were talking about this earlier but i i just i can't stress enough how validating it is as a writer to write moments with not only my hero but the other characters in the story that need to be you know carrying out certain physical actions uh following certain trajectories when it comes to the blocking and the physical journey they're on that often betray their inner journey and their inner struggle and when i say to lucas she's making you know a badass uh battle swipe or she's confronting you know her brother in this really intense way while inside she feels broken or lost or scared mm. or terrified and he's able to reflect that in her eyes that is i mean that's just it's a miracle that i was paired with this artist who gets it and also just got it from the beginning that ice to me there is something incredibly uh alluring about jerry barman even in her worst state but i knew yeah. from the beginning that i never wanted that you know a monster we've we've seen and adored and some of us even lusted after the good old monster hunters of yore who were either scantily clad we always <laughs> got that billy belly midriff kind of you know short skirt or vampirella like out whatever that was this needed to be just punk denim busted up like she is not you know, she's nobody's pinup for sure she's definitely you i know, would argue that david but she's mine <laughs> yeah. i mean i love yes. the look 
That's, look, this is, to me, this is as hot, as hot next to my wife. This is about as hot as it gets, but like that's yeah. Lucas. <laughs> Lucas, look at this. I mean, that is our cover I'm for so, 2.4. It is a masterpiece. And that's going to be the cover of the- Thank um, you, man. I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that you, that, that, that everybody steered me toward doing that one it, it, for, for issue four. It was, uh, I, I, it was just kind of a, a, a quick idea of just like, ah, laying in a coffin and then the, the, the things on her eyes are the AA chips. Yeah. Cool. This was a 10 my... minute sketch, send it over. And then like, it, like it, you and Megan both really latched on to it. I was like, oh no, I guess that is like a really, okay. Oh, thing. oh it is it a pretty was, good I, idea. It, All right. It's iconic, <laughs> man. Uh, this was my first crush, by the way. That's Cremation Mortem, the, and who lives in Portland now, but that is- oh, I got to meet her. She's amazing. From Kansas, oh, right? Wow. Love Roberta. <laughs> yeah, yep. Kansas. Um, Guys, this is. Uh, I wish we could do this more often. I feel like we need to do. Uh, we need to. We need to do another one of these. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? Let's do it. We're around. Uh, oh yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. This I know is you incredible. have two little ones, so thank you so much for taking the time to say hello. Like I know you have a lot going on. I am. Uh, so, oh, here they come again. Uh, <laughs> I stuck in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh, fantastic! What an amazing well, uh, conversation! I do seriously hope we can can have more. Um, I think when you see what we are cooking up together, Lucas and I, for some of our future endeavors, uh, I, I'm excited. I, I'm very excited. That's all I can say. I'm I'm like I'm in the midst of it right me, now, man. And I am having a blast. Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> me two times I'm two times two for sure. Yeah. Stage. Hey everybody, thank you so very much for tuning in to the first episode of Shot by Shot for 2023. That was David Dasmalchian and Lucas Kettner, the creative team between Count Crowley and the last comic book on the left. Uh, we have a few guests lined up for you. We don't know who the next one's going to be. It's, it's, uh, we're recording a bunch, but we will be around in a much, much more quickly manner than I may have been around in 2022. So we're looking forward to teeing up a lot of great conversations and a lot of cocktails, but keep reading comics and we look forward to rejoining you soon. So is that is that the, our official New Year's resolution is to do more podcast? Do more podcast and probably drink more. It's going to be contradictory. <laughs> Sounds like a winner to me. Our livers can take it. It's okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody.